You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. All right, we're going to jump back into our series on creating emotionally safe space in churches. And today we're going to talk about the importance of putting the infrastructure in place to support people on their own healing journey. And so on the the topic of emotional support, I know you're not going to like this, okay? Mm -hmm. If you had, if you could have any emotional support animal of any kind, or maybe maybe we should just talk about your feelings about emotional Mm. support animals. Animals, period. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter the context. Mm. So if you had to have, okay, mm. not if you got right. to, if you had to have some to kind of support animal. about animals. Yeah. Mm. What do you think you'd have? Um, first of all, I do not like animals. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. They're stinky and weird. You know what? <laughs> Truthfully, I would probably have your dog, Wicket, because me and Wicket just have an understanding like he always like comes and sees me like Mm -hmm. licks my hand real quick and then like i don't know just like kind of like a cat just like does his own thing or even like when you guys are out and i'm watching the kids Mm -hmm. like you know he'll sit on one side of the couch and i sit on the other and we're good like there doesn't you know the the animals that need to be on you and near you and uh, uh, like and are big and make your house stink and there's hair everywhere and it Mm -hmm. just freaks me out so um yeah I think that that would work or like I've always I've I really like baby animals. The problem is that they get bigger. I'm like, so if I could have someone figure out how to keep like a baby puppy or mm-hmm. a puppy or a kitten mm-hmm. or a bunny. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I like the bunny. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, I would do something like that, but I don't want one. I don't need it. I think I'd go the Maybe opposite route. I think I'd go with like a lion. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can you imagine just walking around with a lion? No, I don't think that would ever be allowed in any context. No, I'm just, but like, I'm just saying, like, if, if it were safe, if it was a safe line, just walking around, you just feel so BA walking around with a but lion. But would you, if it were safe, the reason that you well, safe, would feel... Safe for me and oh. only attacks if I say to. Oh, wow. Like, I got, I got a very specific vision for this lion. <laughs> Golly. Yeah, why don't you reach out to... Taking uh, him on a plane would be hard. Penn and Teller. Who was it, the guy? Oh, that was Siegfried Tigers. and Roy. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't end well. Mm-mm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for Too really soon. thanks for thanks for crashing and burning us <laughs> oh, there at gosh. the end. So we are talking about creating emotionally safe spaces. We've had uh, three or four conversations now. Uh, if you've missed any of those, make sure that you listen back. We've talked about the importance of leaders going first. We've talked about how emotional health, from our perspective, in many ways, is the whole enchilada of ministry. Uh, last week we talked about the importance of teaching toward it, but the essence of this series is that we are created in the image of an uh, an emotional God. So we are emotional beings and to neglect the emotional component of life is to miss oftentimes the deepest part of who we are. So this week we want to talk about 
the importance of putting infrastructure in place to support people on their healing journey. And I was thinking about it. We have this, uh, I was doing some yard work in front of our house this week. Mm-hmm. And we have this, uh, a trellis on the front right corner of our house. Okay. Which you probably haven't noticed. It's not very nope. big. But there's this, uh, for when spring hit, there was these beautiful like purple flowers that started mm. to grow on this trellis. And I started to notice like, man, that thing only goes like halfway up the trellis. And I think you were, I was supposed to like tie parts of it up. So it would oh, continue yeah. to grow. Mm-hmm. And as I've a result, it's just like, it's gone. It's just dead on the ground now, mm. which is a bummer. It's a plant at your house. Yeah, exactly. We're getting a little bit better. Okay. Um, but my point is like that flower required, it required some amount of structure in, in order for it to continue to flourish and to grow. Okay. And I would argue that um, the healing journey in people's life is the same thing. Like as an organization, our churches need to have the infrastructure, not just talk about it from the front, but actually have structure in place to support that with people. Does that make totally. sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so we're going to talk about just a couple of infrastructural components that are present in our ministry that we would encourage other people to think through as well. Yeah. So I think the first kind of uh, tool or something like that to be able to provide that kind of infrastructure would be to make yourself easily accessible. Mm-hmm. I think this is specifically for any traditional lead pastor, really any traditional pastor that is uh, doing a lot of counseling as yeah. a part of their job. I know some do, some don't, especially if you're part of a larger staff, you have probably someone else taking care of the lion's share of that. But uh, regardless, I think that um, there, there's a handful of ways that you can work on making yourself accessible. And I would just say, as a side note, um, I think especially about 10 years ago, there was just a lot of conversation about the fact that the pastor is too accessible. You mm-hmm. know, people have your phone number, people have that they're going to interrupt you all the time. And I think what's true is people most often reach out to their pastors when at least they feel they're having an emergency. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that's rarely planned. And so yeah. it can happen in the middle of the night and it can happen here and it can happen there and all of that. And so I'm not saying that that was an inaccurate assessment mm-hmm. of where pastors were at. I think though that, uh, as is often the case when we notice something that's kind of out of line, we way overcorrect. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really what's happened. And so as a result, mm-hmm. I remember, um, you know, some of the pastors that uh, you had built relationship with in Acts 29, mm-hmm. even their email address was really obscure mm-hmm. to be able to like get a hold of them because you couldn't just email somebody mm-hmm. like from the website or you could, yeah. I mean, it was just so protected that unless you got an, an opportunity to corner them on Sunday morning, which they probably also had security. Mm-hmm. You really weren't interacting with your pastor very much at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's, there was a far over correction. And so my whole point in that is to say, as you think about the issue that you're facing, solve that problem mm-hmm. instead of overcorrecting. And so here's an example. What I mean is uh, maybe people are calling you when you're trying to spend time with your families, when you're trying to spend, you're just trying to unplug from ministry. Maybe you're having a hard time as well. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, them calling you is not most ideal. Mm-hmm. Well, there are countless ways out there that you can set up to have uh, more than one phone number. Mm-hmm. And so when people should, they can get a hold of you. And mm-hmm. when they shouldn't, they can't get a hold of you. Right. Uh, overcorrecting and saying, no one can know my phone number and I'm going to change it every month and be real cryptic about it mm-hmm. is not the answer. What the answer is, is solving the actual problem. Right. People 
inappropriately getting a hold of me at times that aren't for them. And there's way easy ways that you can do that. Uh, I know that for you, you've got like a Google voice number now that allows you to both like text and communicate and voicemail and call people. Um, you also have the ability to set hours of work, yep. times when it pushes through and times when it doesn't. Uh, I think that there is a GoDaddy has one smart line. We looked into mm. that. There yep. are upsides and downsides to all of these. If you just look, how can my cell phone have more than one phone number? Google that. Uh, you'll come up with lots of options. And so, again, I think putting yourself in a place where when people need to get a hold of you, they can, and when they shouldn't, they can't until mm -hmm. you're available again the next time and you can reach out to them. And I think having the cryptic email address is just ridiculous. Like, even if you're a mega church pastor, then have an admin that helps you sort through some of those. Yeah. But the thing that no one gets to know is just real weird. So don't be that guy. Yeah. I think another option uh, is, uh, so again, another problem to solve is, man, people will try to schedule too many appointments with me in a week, or maybe I don't have an admin to help fill these. Well, yeah. especially with COVID, um, there, you know, the sort of presence of these online calendaring tools, even within ministry, has like, you know, hit like all-time highs because mm -hmm. whether it be Calendy, we prefer one that's called Acuity. Now it's actually Squarespace purchased it, and so it's Squarespace scheduling. Um, there's a lot of different tools out there like that. Uh, you can, again, just Google them, like calendar scheduling tools, and you have the ability to define what times work, what times don't. I have a pastor who's working with it, and he reached out, and he felt like, I want to leave all the times available, but as soon as four counseling meetings are scheduled in a week, that's like the most I can have. So maybe it's all on one day and maybe it's all spread out throughout the week. And so I helped him come up with the kind of parameter that he could put in that as soon as four counseling meetings have been scheduled, someone's shown the following week. That's great. And so again, we're solving the problem that exists. So it's about your bandwidth. It's about your availability. It's about all of these types of things. And, and, and just removing yourself from the ability for people to schedule with you is not the answer. The answer is having a tool that people can do it pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the two cents that I'd add to that overcorrection is I think the thing that a lot of us, I would say myself included, what we didn't take into account and we weren't really helped to take into account is mm -hmm. that the people teaching these conferences and talking about the, you know, the problem of over accessibility, it's always mega church pastors sure. with thousands of people in their church. Yeah. So yes, if you have thousands of people in your church, you know, the entire church having your, your cell phone number to be able to text you is definitely too much. Sure. But if you're a normal church pastor with a hundred, couple hundred people, a, a good majority of people being able to access you via that, because I will say almost our whole church does have my, one of my cell phone numbers. Yeah. And I have almost never had that taken advantage of. I right. don't get people who are blowing me up in the middle of the night. Sure. And if people text me, I'm super open with our church. I go to bed like... Like I'm a geriatric, like so old. I, mm -hmm. So my, like, I'm not getting anybody's text message after eight or nine o'clock. There's yeah. just no way, but they're held and I can respond to them first thing in the morning. So, True. which side note, I do love that. I love, cause we have um, a younger church, large in part. And mm -hmm. so some of our people find it like totally cool to text you at like 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. They can expect and, a 5 a.m. Oh man. Text. And my alarm goes off at 5 a.m. <laughs> so I can do my quiet time and head to the gym. So yep. I love, I just, the smile on my face and I hope, I hope they know about do not disturb like yep. I do. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. So make yourself easily accessible to people. Secondly, um, I'd really take into consideration as a pastor getting more training in, um, inner healing, in counseling, like and some of us went to um, 
Bible colleges where maybe we were trained in counseling, but many pastors have not had much training in that at all. And the good news is there is a wealth of, of, uh, of uh, resources available to us today. There's obviously an infinite number of books on the topic mm-hmm. that I would definitely check out. Um, there's great ministries like Crosspoint, like Healing Care Ministries that train in counseling, in healing prayer, in spiritual direction, in any of these things. And this has just been like, I did not have any training in counseling uh, mm-hmm whatsoever. And stepping into the program that I've been in for the past year uh, in the area of spiritual direction has just been hugely helpful in, I think, getting much better at knowing how to be with people in a way that is helpful and does aid them. But if that's an area in your life where you feel like, I feel really ill-equipped, I'm not good at this. Um, Some of us might be more naturally empathic and gifted in these areas, but there's no excuse for any of us to have absolutely no idea what we're doing because it is a component in our job. And, uh, and the good news is, again, there's just a wealth of resource that's accessible to us now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next one I think would be to budget with therapy uh, or to help with therapy or counseling costs. Um, I think uh, there's a couple of things that are really important. So even if you get uh, you get more training, mm-hmm. uh, the likelihood that you are, have received the training to deal with everything that will walk through your door is slim to none. Yeah. So don't be so arrogant to assume that you're going to be able to use your like concordance and find a Bible verse to address every issue that walks into right. your office for counseling. Um, you know, unless you've got some sort of doctorate or something like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's going to be things that could be really, really uh, dangerous to for you to deal with, mm-hmm. could be really um, uh, destructive for you to deal with. And mm-hmm. so I think being in a place where you have the ability to, you know, meet with someone, to pray with them, and then to very... Uh, you know, directly and gently direct them into someone who's got like an actual bit of training in this mm-hmm. and went to school for it and, you mm-hmm. know, didn't just watch a TED talk and is now like, you know, an all expert. of this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not all ben- Brene Brown. I'm just right. saying like, that's not a thing. Yeah. And so I think uh, making sure that you have the resources to be able to do that because uh, for someone to be vulnerable enough to come into your office, to have the conversation and then to be told, Hey, I really think you need to see a professional counselor, Mm -hmm. a therapist or a psychologist, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Um, The burden of that financially could be really overwhelming for them. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that if it's a priority for your church, for people to really dive into this, there has to be some sort of support out there for those who would need it. Yeah, that's good. I I know that there's some differing opinion on like, do people work as hard in counseling or therapy if they're not paying for it? I, I even know some therapists have some differing opinion on that. Mm-hmm. I, I would say... Um, I would say you probably should take that case by case. Yeah, know the person. If if there's a person that it's going to be beneficial for them to have a little, quote unquote, skin in the game, mm-hmm. then maybe they can help. And, yeah. and the, then, then the church comes alongside to help supplement what they can't afford. Um, and then some people like, I mean, the church has covered my own therapy. And because of that, that's been, and I know it was for you too, Mm -hmm. deeply motivating to me. I'm like, I'm going to work hard at this because I'm doing this essentially on somebody else's dime. And I'm not going, I'm not going to take advantage of that in any way. Yeah. So I think just taking that case by case, knowing the person, but our point is having funds there so that finance is not the obstacle to someone being able to seek the help that they need. Absolutely. And I think that it's totally appropriate if somebody is getting, because the other thing you have to realize 
exercises, it could be a long period of time before mm-hmm. someone's done needing some help with those funds. Yeah. Uh, people might see a therapist for a long period of time. And yep. so uh, it's not just like going to the doctor where you get a prescription and then you're like fine in a couple of days. That's not the way it works with the brain. And so I think, um, you know, dealing with it case by case and then checking in with that person to mm-hmm. make sure progress is being made. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, for the people in your church to sacrificially tithe so that it could be like a scene out of Goodwill Hunting where Matt Damon sits totally mute for an hour, yeah. like um, probably isn't effective. Mm-hmm. Even if somebody needs it, they just may very unlikely be ready for it. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's really, to me, like I would determine that based on is somebody like really serious about mm-hmm. getting the help they need? Yeah, that's really good. You you were hinting at this a little bit, but I, I would say as a fourth point is that the importance of knowing your referral options. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, we have a really, like I've seen, there was a whole, every day I log on to Twitter to just go like, what are we pissed about today? That's kind of <laughs> the way that it feels. And there was some, in my opinion, arrogant, asinine comment made by a couple of prominent pastors about the sufficiency of scripture. We don't need counseling. We just need oh. more scripture. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think it will come as any major surprise that I think that's dumb. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as a result of that, we ha- we do have a deep conviction that there there is a multitude of issues based on the severity of of mental illness that someone might be dealing with sure. that that pastoral care isn't the right way to be able to help those people sure. with severe mental health issues that you should go and see in the same way that like I'm not qualified to help you with your cancer. I can sure. pray for you. And I can be with you in the grief of that and in the sorrow of that, but I can't fix that for you because I'm not a doctor. Sure. And yeah. I mean, if somebody's got a small cut, you put some neosporin on it, put a band-aid on it, they're going to be fine. They come and they're like, arms off. Right. Don't try to like, you know, call nine one one. No. Know? Right. And so in order to be able to make good references, you need to know what your options are in your city. And so, I mean, we are in Salt Lake City. So if I can find good referral options here, mm-hmm. even like, especially if you've a almost Christian, filled them all the way up, but, yeah, yeah, especially if a Christian therapist is important to you, then you can certainly find it where you are. We, we really have one main um, group of Christian therapists here in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, they were very... Uh, I actually went and I met with, I see someone there. So obviously I know my therapist well. Sure. But then they also invited me to come and have lunch with the entire staff of mm. like seven or whatever that was there. Sure. And so I got to meet each individual person. They do all have various skill sets, mm. but it's been very helpful for me to have an understanding of who those people are. Um, and I would bet that the vast majority of Christian therapy like they want to have a relationship with the local church. That's mm-hmm. where the vast majority of their clients come from. Right. And so I would be aware of what's in your area. I would work to build relationships so that you can in very good faith make recommendations about where a person should go. Yeah. Like I will say we we've, we've had with this group that we refer to, we've had a couple of people that have had a hang up with one particular counselor. Yeah. And there's been some a common thread that's run through it, so I no longer refer not the group is still fine, but to that person, I would say, Hey, try and try and steer away from this person. Cause we have had some evidence that that hasn't been helpful. Sure. And so I think never underestimate what a massive, massive step it is for a person to get oh, therapy. For sure. And so if you, 
can be as confident as possible that what they are going to experience is going to be good and fruitful, that's great. I have a dear friend who finally took the step to step into therapy, had a bad experience, and it's just a huge setback. Sure. Because there's nothing worse than being wounded by what's supposed to be a safe place in person. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, even, you know, in churches, we're going to vet, like, the person who does our signage and apparel, mm-hmm. but we're going to just, like, blindly Google for a counselor. Right. I, you know, it's just crazy. So, yeah, yeah do it your homework. No take some time to get to know some people. Build a relationship. And, I mean, recognize. So, I'm sure their heart is to help people, and their heart is to, like, feed themselves and their family. And so, mm-hmm. the likelihood they're willing to take that time is pretty high. Yep, absolutely. And then I think the last one is really, uh, it's a real opportunity, I think, to rethink small groups. Because the truth is there aren't enough therapists and everything in the world for everyone to like race and like, you know, form a line around the block mm-hmm. and just wait for their turn. And not every issue demands a no. therapist. I mean, I, my, the way I've been explaining it lately is like, I feel like anyone and everyone can benefit from therapy. Right. Not everyone has to be in sure. therapy. I would say totally. that would be an, another example of like an overcorrection. Yeah, absolutely. But I think uh, being in a place where you're kind of rethink your, whatever your small group thing is. Yeah. Uh, we've talked pretty openly. Uh, at least I've talked pretty openly. Yeah. I don't love the traditional small group thing, mm-hmm. uh, but I love what we have at Ridgeline. And mm-hmm. so we've got what we call uh, squads and they're just an opportunity for people. It's not an accountability group. It's sort of some hybrid mm-hmm. between almost like group therapy mm-hmm. and a bit of like accountability, but it's not like you hear that and you just feel like basically what people are going to do is come and like, you know, confess their sin. Mm -hmm. You know, the guys group guys are talking about, I looked at porn and Mm -hmm. then they like pray for each other and go. And this is more an opportunity for people to like talk and share about how they're doing and the things that they're struggling with. And Mm -hmm. yes, you know, sin is absolutely a part of that, Mm -hmm. but the whole thing isn't just a like, check Sin off the confession button. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's not like a modern day confessional. Right. Uh, it's really an opportunity to live in the light about the things that you're struggling with and the things that are scary to you and all of those kind of things uh, with a community of people who are around you mm-hmm. uh, to be able to support you, to listen, mm-hmm. uh, to pray for you and to give you that space to just be seen and heard. And so um, I would really recommend if you're whatever your expression of that is, doesn't mm-hmm. have something like that. Yeah. Uh, you really need to think about an opportunity to include that somehow, or if it's got something that's a little bit more kind of archaic sort of accountability or, you know, confessional based, Mm -hmm. like maybe you can, you know, pivot it to something that's a bit more broad in nature. Because again, the most important thing about you is not like how many times you lied this week. That's Mm -hmm. not the most important thing about you. There's a lot of reasons why you might've done that. There's Mm -hmm. a lot, all kinds of stuff. And so allowing other people to get to know you and to get to see you uh, is really important. Yeah. The way I describe our like philosophy behind squads is they are an opportunity for us to live in the open together. Mm. So what is it that is like from Genesis, the fall in Genesis two, going into Genesis three, from that point, moving forward, the human inclination is to hide because of shame, because of sin, because of fear. And so squads are meant to be a safe place for a small group of people to live in the open together. Here's what's really going on inside of me. Yep. It helps people learn to pay attention to what's going on inside of them. And that it also helps them to be able to, there is just something that is uniquely formational about coming into the open with another person and being met with compassion and support and love. So these are not, uh, if you've never heard us talk about 
about squads real at all, then here's kind of just the brief format. A small group of three to six people uh, meet usually a minimum of once a month together, and they take turns. Uh, a person will take five 10 minutes to share about something that they're carrying something like what's most heavy on you right now. Mm -hmm. And then no one is like giving them a prophetic word and response. Mm -hmm. No one's trying to fix their problem. Just one or two people after someone is shared, um, will pray for them. And Mm -hmm. then it moves to the next person. They will ask clarifying questions to make sure they're understanding, but they are, it is not in that sense, a, there isn't a, you know, a counselor present to mm-hmm. then speak into that. And it's not a highly interactive in like pushing on stuff and like, cause nobody's interested in that. No. But, um, we've seen them be very, very instrumental in mm-hmm. people's formation and, and they've been great. So if you, again, to your point, like lots of small group models have some sort of accountability confession Mutual element. Ministry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would say, regardless of what you what you use, just have a space. Consider having a space where people do have time to live in the open together. Mm-hmm. Even if it's in a Bible study, whatever. But at some point, if people are not having an opportunity to talk about, here's what's going on in my life, mm-hmm. then I would argue that what that is... Uh, I'm not saying there's no value in like just a Bible study where we're talking about what do you think the text means? For mm-hmm. sure there's value in that. But if we aren't not if we are not at some point getting to here's what is happening in me, then I would say that it is limited in its a formational effectiveness. I totally. Guess, the way yeah, say it's it. totally detached. It's just a knowledge thing. Now. Yes, totally. So hopefully that's helpful uh, and gives you some things to think through and to think about. Uh, We are going to uh, continue this series next week. We're going to talk about the importance of welcoming diverse weirdness. Mm. Yeah, churches are filled with weirdos, right? Oh man, and ours leads the pack. I I don't. I just feel like everywhere (laughs) we've been, people. The older I get, the more I'm like, God, I am freaking weird. But that's the point of next week is to talk about like we all have our own diverse weirdness. Yeah. And if we're not well, if everybody has to be the same, or if everybody has to be weird like you then that's kind of broken and doesn't isn't safe for all people. So we'll talk about that next week. But as always, thank you so much uh, for listening this week. We'd love to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. You can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. 